Hi, I'm Michael Chang, and you are listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molle, your host. This week's guest, Michael Chang, is randomly timed very well with Roland Garros. Michael won the French Open at 17 years old. That's 33 years ago. Whoa. He tells us about one of the all-time great matches against Ivan Lendl on his way to the title. We actually start the conversation chatting about the IMG Future Stars events where he was there with his daughter. We also chat about Sampras and he gives advice to tennis parents with young players. Before we start, a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. Head over to slingerbag.com to get all the info, or if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. And lastly, I've mentioned our new product, the Functional Tennis Sabre, on the show before. Pre-launch went really well. There was a delay with the shipment arriving into Dublin, and they'll be with us in mid-June, and we'll have them shipped out straight away. But if you want to find out more about it, head over to functionaltennis.com. We will more than likely be sold out of them at some stage during the summer and our new batch won't be due till January 2023. So just giving you a small bit of warning there if you're interested in a Sabre. Okay, here's our chat with Michael. Hope you enjoy it. You had a good time in Greece? Yeah, yeah, Greece was a great experience. Probably the best junior tournament that I've ever been to in my in my life. Um, the venue was incredible. You know, the... Uh, Tournament organizers did a uh, fantastic job, and it was just a, a great experience for for my daughter. And uh, you know, certainly to go out there and compete against you know other 12, 12 and under girls uh, outside of the U.S. You know, some of the best in uh, in the world and, and in Europe. Yeah, it was it was a great uh, great experience, and uh, you know, really enjoyed it. And a- apart from being the best, you say the best junior tournament out there. But you, as as a coach, and you with all your ex- your experience in tennis as a player and coach, what one thing did you take away from the event? I mean, this is the first time that uh, that my daughter's been outside of the U.S. to uh, to play a, a tennis tournament. You know, to have that you know opportunity to play against some international players in a um, in an international venue, I think is uh, is a great experience for her because she's going to be doing it for for many years to come, and um, you know, getting used to a a different time change. Um, this first time, actually, she's played a, a tournament on clay as well. So that was a little bit of an adjustment for us, just in you know preparing for that and and getting getting ready to play a new surface. So you know, I just think the whole thing combined was uh, you know was exciting for her and and uh, exciting for me to be able to also see what you know what some of the other girls around the world are, are playing like and and at to what level. My daughter was one of the one of the younger ones, you know, it, it was wonderful and, and certainly a great, uh, you know, uh, father-daughter bonding time. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was magical for that. And are you, it's Lani, isn't it? Uh, Lani, yeah. Are you her coach, official main, main coach? Yeah, yeah, I do most of the, of the coaching with uh, uh, with her. Yeah, it's been been a lot of fun and, uh, you know, we've had a little bit more a little bit more time over these past couple of years because of the pandemic and then also because, you know, Kay's been been kind of on and off with injury so um you know it's been it's been good in that aspect to be able to you know spend more time with her and you know my bunch of little ones uh just helping them with uh you know with their games and with their sports great and 
take going back to when you when you were that age, I know you were breaking all sorts of records over in the US. What's the level difference if if you can remember from let's say eleven, twelve year olds back then to what you saw in Greece? Well, I think the game has changed a little bit. I think it's changed uh, you know a lot because of you know because of the rackets, because of the strings. You know, I feel like the the kids now are um, are hitting the ball harder, probably with a little more spin. You know, so I think that I think a lot of things have, have changed. You know, one of my first experiences in in playing international uh, events was um, was playing the sport goofy or playing the goodies So that you know, for me was um, was a great experience. And uh, you know, I just feel like um, you know, obviously certain things are are are, are similar. Uh, I think the mentality is a little bit more cutthroat in in the aspects of um, you know the way that kids are training now. You know, I mean now they're they're, they're training three, four hours a day, maybe even more in, in some of these places. I certainly never trained that much. You know, when I was young, you know, maybe an hour and a half, two hours, maybe at the most. Didn't do a whole lot of off-court training. Now they're doing all these other types of off-court training, you know, very specialized toward tennis. Uh, so it's a very different different ball game. You know, I still, I still believe in, in some of the old school methodologies. I think sometimes some of the kids nowadays, I think, are doing probably a little bit too much at too young. You know, so I think there is the chance of uh, them getting injured or, or them, you know, getting burned out. So I think there is some some wisdom in, in, um, in uh, you know, keeping things in moderation. Obviously, you want to work hard, but you want to, you know, keep things fresh and keep, keep the kids injury-free. So, you know, so definitely a lot of things have, have changed, but then, uh, you know, some things have, uh, you know, have, have stayed the same as well. We have a lot of parent listeners of the show, and... The question I was going to ask you you, 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 you answered it there was, is it a necessity to put in all these errors that these kids are putting in? And you, you're, it's probably reassuring what you're saying that it's, it's actually not such a good thing. I think it kind of goes by a case-by-case case basis a little bit. You know, I, I know that there have been certainly a lot of kids that have you know, trained a lot when they were young and, and have gone on to be very successful. But you know, I think certainly our generation, you know, and, I, and I think part of it also was that, say for instance, like, you know, I didn't go to a tennis academy either. So, you know, players that uh, that grew up in a tennis academy, say, you know, like an Agassiz Sampras, for example, I'm pretty sure they played more than two hours of tennis uh, a day because that's, you know, that was their life. That, you know, they're living and, and breathing tennis, you know, having a little bit of education. Uh, everything is surrounding that. So, you know, for, for me and, and Pete Sampras, for example, I mean, we stayed here in Southern California. You know, I think we had a little bit more of a normal childhood i guess you could say you know going to a regular school and, and then having our you know playing tennis and stuff after but certainly was not in that kind of environment where you know you play tennis in the morning you went to school then you came back and you play tennis again in the afternoon so you know so i think that like i said there have been times and, and places where you know kids have done both and and um and they've gone on to be uh to be successful i think you really kind of have to just take it you know, case by case and, and um, you know, kind of gauge your child and, and what works best for them. Yeah, interesting. So there's a few ways of going about it. As we all know, there's not one one formula that will sure. guarantee it. And you talked about Agassiz and Sampras. Do you remember playing those guys for the first time as, as a junior? Uh, yeah, actually, the first time I played Pete was actually when we were both eight years old out in uh, down the San Diego area. I don't actually remember who, who won that match, but... Uh, but I do remember playing him at a very young age. Uh, the first time I played Andre actually was when I was 10 years old. I lost him in the 12s nationals hard, national hard courts uh, here in San Diego. 
So, uh, you know, so we go back, uh, you know, quite a ways with, uh, with both of those guys and, and, uh, you know, Andre would often come down to Southern California to play tournaments because he just didn't get a whole lot of competition in Vegas. So, um, you know, our section was so strong with the, with the depth of players that we had. Um, and then obviously I, you know, I run into Pete periodically, um, you know, just in playing some of these Southern California tournaments. When you hit the tour to start, there would have been Agassi, Sampras would have been there already, and and the others, I'm sure, Courier and a few others. Was it exciting to be able to hit the tour and these guys were already your friends in some capacity? Yeah, I mean, Andre was actually the first one to, to go on tour. He he actually went on tour early. You know, I don't think he wanted to uh, to go to school at all. And you know, so he turned pro actually a couple of years before I did. He's, he's two years older than me, so he turned pro uh, like around 15 and, and I turned pro a little bit before my 16th birthday. So, but he didn't really have a breakout year until, until probably the first year that I was out. He turned pro, I want to say maybe nine months after, after I did. And then, uh, and I think Jim turned pro probably around that same time. So yeah, I mean, I certainly great to be able to see familiar faces out there and, and, uh, you know, at a very young age, um, you know, Doing well and and uh, you know experiencing that a little bit together. We, we, were, we weren't the best of friends, but I was probably closest to to Pete uh, early on in our careers because I trained together with him. Uh, we trained together for the um, for the French Open uh, in '89. You know, we would often we would uh, periodically play doubles as well. Uh, so Pete would hang out uh, a little bit with my mom and I when when he was on the road and. And, um, you know, we'd hit a little bit and we'd, we'd practice together. So, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun to be able to see, you know, everybody come into their own and, and everybody had their own success um, in their own unique ways. And speaking of that French Open, it, it's French Open week. Now, second week of French Open, this episode has gone out this week. And first of all, let's talk about today. Who do you think is going to win the men, the women's? Who's your favorite? I mean, on the women's side, it's easier, right? I mean, it's it's tough to uh, get anybody at this point uh, outside of Iga. So, you know, she's just been on an incredible tear, you know, playing phenomenal tennis and playing very, very confident. I think she's the only top ten seed left, right, on the women's side. So that's uh, you know, that that's amazing. I'm not one hundred percent sure. I think, I think if, I, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but that's uh, you know, so obviously the the odds are in her favor to to win, and she's a former French Open champion as well. Yeah, so I, I think she's a, she's a heavy favorite on the women's side. You know, on the men's side, um, the draws have uh, have kind of opened up a little bit um, in certain aspects. I know Tsitsipas lost today. You know, I think the, the Nadal and Djokovic uh, quarterfinal is going to be a going to be a great match. Uh, you know, Rafa and uh, and Novak and and um, uh, and Daniil are all playing playing very very uh, very strong. I've been very convincing in in all of their matches. Um, even though Rafa had a tough uh, I said it with Ojeda uh, team, but uh, you know I think you got a, a few dangerous floaters. Um, I think Rude is a, is a dangerous floater, but I I still think at the end of the day, you know three out of the five sets, I think you still got to go with the with the top guys. You know Alcaraz obviously is a is good, is a is a favorite. I think uh, you know going into the rest of the tournament, uh, having such a great run and you know during the clay court season, um, it'll be interesting to see how he handles. You know the three out of five set matches toward the latter stages of this tournament. Um, I think it's a huge difference to play on clay two out of three sets versus three out of five. It'll be interesting. I think it's turning out to be a great tournament on on both sides, and uh, you know, I'm uh, a little bit sad not to be there. But uh, you know, hopefully Kay will get healthy again, and uh, and we'll get back there. Obviously, it's a 
you know, a favorite tournament of mine and, you know, always uh, a lot of great memories when I do get back to Paris. I, I'd say the feeling for you going back there must be incredible. What what part of your winning the slam there for you do you think about the most? Well, I mean, I think just being on the ground. You know, the venue itself has changed so much. They've, they've done so many upgrades to uh, to the French Open venue. So, you know, what I remember back in the day is, is a lot of it's basically not there anymore. So, you know, they've just, uh, they've redone everything, the locker rooms, the uh, the player lounge. But, you know, at the same time, my mind is still very vivid on, on you know, what it looked like back in, uh, back in 89. But, you know, I think just being there on the grounds and, and, and also having the opportunity to play there. You know, I've played numerous times on, on the Champions uh, doubles event. And uh, to be out there on the courts, you know, playing in front of the Parisian crowd is, has always been, um, you know, very exciting for me. And, and uh, you know, to be out there, the French Open does a great job because the, the doubles champions events are all, they all put them on main courts. You know, we play on Susan Longland, we play on court, court one, you know, you know even occasionally on on, uh, on center court. So, uh, you know, for us to have that opportunity to be out there again in front of, a, you know, such a wonderful crowd, you know, it's super fun for us. And do you believe it was 33 years ago? Yeah, I mean it's amazing. Time goes by so quickly. Yeah, I mean I can I you know I remember so many things as if it uh, you know happened not very long ago. But um, but it is amazing that it, you know it happened uh, that long ago. <laughs> it's a lot. Thirty three years. I know a fly. I say you say it's after flown by, but it's a long time ago. And I didn't. I had to sort of double check the maths. I was like, no, it's twenty three. No, no, it's thirty three. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, so it's it's kind. Of, I'm sure you're you think about it, and your head just goes, "Whoa, that's crazy." Just doing a little bit of research on this, uh, I read that you had taught to yourself in the fifth against the famous match against Ivan Lendl that you were you'd actually told yourself you were going to retire. Is that true? Yeah, I actually uh, it actually crossed my mind um, to to just retire actually at uh, uh, two one in the uh, in the fifth set. You know, I was thinking to myself, I'm, I'm probably not going to win this match. So what's the difference whether I just retire now or whether I just kind of putter along and, and still lose in five sets? You know, at least this way I can get back in the locker room, maybe get some treatment, get rid of these cramps. So it did actually cross my mind to, uh, to default the match. I actually, at one point, I actually started walking toward the chair umpire to tell him that I can't play anymore. And, and when I got to the service line, I just had, I just had an unbelievable uh, conviction from God. I can't explain it, uh, but I just stopped in my tracks, and for some reason, you know, in my mind, it, it just, you know, I had this notion that, you know what, if I quit now, every other time that I'm approached with a similar situation, I'm going to quit again, and the second time is going to be easier than the first, the third time is going to be easier than the second, and I don't want to really be known as a quitter, you know, so I made it in my heart, basically, that, you know what, okay, I feel like, you know, God wants me to finish this match. And uh, I'm just going to try to do that as best as I can and, and then leave the winning and losing, you know, basically in, in his hands. And, and lo and behold, you know, so many of these shots that I started hitting, started, I started going for, you know, they all started going in. You know, I mean, I, I didn't miss a whole lot of shots. And uh, obviously I was lobbing some shots. And whenever I had an opportunity to go for shots, I would go for it. And, and, I, and I was making it, you know, before I know it, I'm, you know, I'm on my back on uh, after a double fault on match point and, I, and I've won this won this incredible match that I had no idea how I won. Well, and you sort of, you did a, a kind of a Sabre-like 
at the end there, the Federer inspired Sabre, but you were ahead of the game on on all those uh, shots. Was that something you'd ever, did it just come spur the moment or something you would have done in practice? Yeah, I mean, the underhand serve, you know, I was I was up 4-3, I was up a break down 15-30 in the, in the game, and, and I had a tougher time holding serve, actually, than breaking, uh, if you can believe that. I couldn't go up uh, up for my serve because my, my legs would, would cramp. My first serve, I was just rolling my first serve in, and literally, I kid you not, probably like 69, 70 miles per hour for a first serve. And I was like, you know what? I got to do something different here because if I don't do something different, I'm just going to lose my serve again, and and you know, and I'm going to be in trouble here. So without much thought, you know, I probably thought about it for maybe two seconds. I just hit, I hit an underhand serve, put some side spin on it. You know, obviously Vaughn was was taken back. He he ended up hitting the you know, the serve pretty far inside the court and I, and, uh, and he almost had to come in at that point. Came in, I hit a pass, you know, back behind him. It clipped the tape and then clipped off the top of his racket and the crowd just went absolutely nuts after that point. You know, no longer was it just a physical battle, but it was a, it was a mental battle as well. You know, I, I actually think that that, that that point really changed the, the, the tide of the match. I think that tied up the rest of the match into my favor um and uh you know uh, i ended up holding serve and then you know playing an unbelievable game um i had two huge backhands up the line you know when i was up five three and then and obviously the double fault on match point um you know uh helped on uh you know in closing the match out but um but then hand serve is um yeah well i you know you you Players hit it, hit it just for, for fun, but rarely do they practice it. I mean, maybe nowadays they, they might practice it because so many guys are staying so far back behind the baseline, but I did not practice it. It was just a spur of the moment. I thought about it for maybe a second or two before I hit it, and um, you know, and that's the only time I've ever served an underhand server in my entire career. Is it the, the only? You've never done it before? We've never done it before or after in a match. That was the only time. Wow. Yep. Uh, it's the only time I ever did in my career. And what about the bouncing on the service line? Uh, for me, on the, on the match point, um, you know, this is something that I actually used to do in in the juniors because I know players would get uh, would get quite nervous on big points if they had, had missed mm-hmm. their first serve. And you got to remember, I'm 17 years old, so I'm not that far removed from from junior tennis. You know, I didn't play collegiate tennis, so I, you know, a year or two ago, I I was playing junior tennis. So you know, oftentimes on a second serve, I would I would move up. Either you know the player, my opponent would get so nervous they would either hit a double fault or they would hit a very soft second serve. So sometimes when they would hit a soft second serve, I would just step up and just and just rip the return. You know, against Yvonne, I I thought, you know what, I'm up forty fifteen. He's missed the first serve. I'm going to move up. Um, I want to move up and and uh, and do like I had done in the in the juniors. You know, if he hits the second serve a little soft, hey, I'm going to give it a rip. Uh, I'm going to go for it. I've got two match points. I might as well rip one of them. And, um, you know, uh, if I happen to miss, you know, then I got one more, one more match point coming. Obviously when I had moved up, the, you know, the crowd was really murmuring and, and stuff and they were, they were talking a lot and, and Yvonne obviously was distracted and he, he, he asked, uh, you know, uh, Richard Ings, Hey, do I get a first serve? And he's like, no, there's no reason for you to get a first serve. And, and so Yvonne was pretty, pretty flustered, I think, at that point. Uh, and there was a little bit of time because he was talking to the chair umpire about that. So there was a little bit of time between the first and second serves. 
you know, sometimes when you have a little bit of a time delay in between serves, it, it throws your rhythm off, you know, and I think just, you know, the, the occasion of, you know, of the moment, you know, he ended up throwing the double fault like, uh, like sometimes, you know, players do. Well, this podcast is brought to you by ASICS Tennis. ASICS is a Japanese company founded in 1949 with the purpose of giving more people the opportunity to experience how sport and movement can have a positive impact on mental well-being. That purpose is also in their name. ASICS is an acronym which means Anime Sano Incorporate Sano, a Latin phrase meaning sound mind, sound body. Today, the brand is still dedicated to that founding belief of demonstrating the positive effects sport and movement can have on our mental well-being all over the world they just launched their most innovative tennis range ever which includes the new court ff3 novak the shoe designed from the ground up with the help of novak Djokovic. get your pair now at asics.com and i'm sure as i said it's 33 years i'm sure you've met him loads of times during those years have you ever chatted about the match with him you know i have i have the utmost respect for yvonne i always have for you know, since the first time that I, I played him in, in, uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, when I was 16 years old, we played in an exhibition. He beat me two and three in probably like maybe an hour. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because after, uh, I did not see him after the match. The first time that I saw him uh, was actually in, in Orangi at, uh, at Wimbledon. And, uh, and I remember going, walking toward, uh, toward Orangi on the, right, on the right side of the little house there you know going to practice and i saw yvonne walking toward me walking the other way to, to leave her and i said oh you know and i'm wondering like if he what, what, what is he gonna say you know <laughs> and um i was kind of like looking i was like is there another way i can go here <laughs> but i was already so far in there that I, you know i couldn't really go anywhere and, and i saw you know he, he looked he was looking at me and i was like okay here he comes right i didn't know what to expect at all yeah. and uh and I get up there and he's, he's like beelining toward me. Like he's walking toward me. And I'm like, Oh boy, he's walking toward me. So, you know, so I end up getting there and, and he comes up to me, puts his hand out and he goes, Michael, he goes, unbelievable French open. He goes, congratulations. You know? And that for me, was just, uh, I thought it was just, you know, huge class on his part. You know, I, I've always had a great relationship with, with Yvonne. I, I, you know, for, for various reasons, uh, you know, obviously I've lost him many times. Um, strangely enough, the only two times that I have played him in five set, three out of five set matches, both times I beat him when I was two sets to love down. So I beat him once at the French Open, and then I beat him also, beat him also, actually, actually I'm trying to think if I was at two sets to love. I played him in the Grand Slam Cup, and I beat him, uh, I beat him 9-7 in the fifth over there. My memory serves yeah. me correctly. But those are the only two times that I played in three to five sets. And then, you know, when I see him now, you know, times when he was coaching Andy and he was on, on the road, obviously now he's coaching Andy again. You know, we'd stop and chat. We'd chat about tennis. We'd chat, chat about golf because he's, he's a huge golf enthusiast like I am. We'd chat about, um, you know, tennis and family. Uh, we talk a little bit about strategy sometimes and in regards to, to some of these other players because, uh, you know, we're both coaches out on tour. But strangely enough, we have never talked about the French Open. I've never asked him about the French Open. I don't plan to ask him about the French Open. But there is a very much a mutual respect um, there that has uh, always been existed from the beginning. Um, and I can remember times where I practiced with him. And, you know, Yvonne has this reputation where 
if you come in and you practice and or you play a match and you happen to pop a volley up, you know, he has this reputation. McEnroe will tell you that, you know, how, how many times he, he's been drilled by Lundell when he hits that kind of a volley. It's just like, well, you, you hit the volley, you got to pay the price for it. You know, everybody hits volleys where they're, where they're popped up. You know, everybody does. And I can tell you that there have been times that, you know, I have popped up balls and, and I, because of the reputation, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's coming, it's coming, you know, and he has never once, never once pegged the ball at me uh, under those circumstances. I don't know whether it's because I was a kid, maybe because I was a teenager, but never once has he, has he ever done that to me in a match or in, um, in practice. You know, so you know, I always I, I, I have a great relationship with him. Still periodically, uh, you know, text with him and stuff like that. And uh, you know, when I do see him, you know, we always make an effort to uh, uh, to chat for a few minutes. Uh, that's that's so nice to hear. I know we don't have too much time left, but I want to ask you. I know you went on and you, you won the final. Just ask you the feeling of winning that final. And two, as your career progressed, do you find? winning matches you'd more fear does that does that make sense where you were 17 you'd nothing to lose your first time you're sort of fearless you don't know any better did you find as your career went on i know there was the other finals as well that mentally become a bit weaker you get more fear comes in kind of an interesting question um i understand what you're saying as far as being young and not really understanding all of the things that are taking place and then obviously you know, in certain aspects, you are the underdog. So, so nobody really expects you to win. You know, certainly I was not expected to beat, uh, you know, Yvonne in the court in the, uh, in the round of 16. But I can't say that I necessarily, any I played was necessarily fearful. I was actually pretty, pretty excited to play. Um, you know, I was confident, uh, you know, I was probably too pumped up actually to play the U.S. Open final against Pete, I actually had, I just, you know, when I got there, I felt like, you know what, I had too much adrenaline here. That hurt me a little bit in the, in the beginning part of that match. It just didn't get settled. Right. But the other matches, I mean, um, you know, I think I played well, I fought well, I, I wasn't afraid. Um, I just happened to run into better players that day. And then, uh, you know, Pete was, uh, you know, Pete was tough always at the U S open and the U S open was always a little bit tougher for me to win because it was, um, Speed-wise, it was always faster than uh, than the, the the rest of the of the U.S. Uh, hard courts, or you know, in North America, all the other tournaments I've I've won actually uh, for the most part, all of the big tournaments. But the U.S. Open was always played a little faster, and I felt like that just hurt me just a little bit against you know some of these guys that can really you know serve big and just gave them a little bit more of an advantage. But the other tournaments, you know, Indian Wells, Miami, Cincinnati. Canadian Open, you know, Washington was slow, LA, you know, I did all, did very, very well in, in, uh, you know, in all of these tournaments. And then in the Australian Open, you know, Boris just played well. You know, I, I, I think, yeah, he was just, um, he was just playing, playing tough. I, I lost him actually the, uh, in the ATP finals, um, just, uh, you know, like a month and a half before. And that was tough also playing him in, in, uh, in Germany, but, uh, you know, he was not a, not an easy player to play against, uh, especially because, uh, if his game was on and he was, he was hitting big, which is what he did in those in both of those finals. And the Sampras serve, we know how lethal it was and how impressive and how much it meant his game, but you playing him since an eight-year-old, did it make it a bit easier for you to return a serve or was it still a missile that you didn't know where it was going? I actually, I actually knew Pete's game probably one of the best, maybe outside of maybe Andre, because uh, we played quite a bit. 
in the juniors, actually, um, I did well uh, against him. Uh, I actually beat him in the national 1800 hard courts. And then when we first came out on tour, I had his number. Uh, I think I beat Pete probably the first four times we played as professionals. Um, actually, I beat him at the 89th French, actually, um, in the second round, uh, 6-1, 6-1, 6-1. But I knew Pete's game very, very well. And the, what made it easier to play against him early on was I knew Pete's pattern on his serve. I knew where he was going to go on big points, and I knew what he, what he could hit very, very well, and I knew what areas he had a little bit more trouble with. The problem uh, later on was after he won the US Open in in 1990, what, what made him so much better was, was not only his second serve, but was also that he could start to hit all four corners like really well. And that's where the problem came, problem came about for me. And I think I lost him. I don't know how many times I lost him, you know, in a row. Maybe I lost him like the next five or six times in a row. And I think the last four matches we, in the, of our careers, we split. But, uh, but when he started to be able to hit all of the corners, all of a sudden that pattern that he had that I'd known before all of a sudden was gone. And so, uh, so I couldn't predict anymore um, where he would go in some of the bigger points. But, I mean, to be honest with you, that's, that's what made Pete such a great champion, you know, to be able to pinpoint, you know, his serve um, and, and then to back it up with the second serve um, like he did was, was huge. I mean, obviously he had a lot of other great weapons you know, his, his forehand on the run cross court was huge. I probably still think even to this day, it's probably probably the best forehand cross court uh, that I know of, especially on the run. You know, hard, flat, angle. Wow. Um, it's probably still the best forehand on the run cross court shot, I think, you know, that I've ever known. So, And did you just come out one one the matches and realize he's up to serve here, or did you knew it was coming? You mean early on in our career, or...? No, 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 when Pete, let's say the first time he beat you then and you said his serve had changed, did you realise that at the start of a match or did you know, was rumour on locker room talk or you'd practice with him and you knew his serve, he now can hit all the spots? I didn't realise until I actually played him. Okay. The first time that I lost him, I think, uh, in, in our careers was actually at the Grand Slam Cup. Um, obviously, it's a fast court there, um, but I was very confident that, um, you know, that I could beat him there. You know, and he served really, really well that that day. I remember, and that's really the first time that I really got a taste of, uh, you know, that that he had improved a lot about the other areas of his serve and the directions. Yeah, then then from there it was, uh, you know, it was a whole different ball game. But uh, but I think also I think, you know, not only knowing that, but I, I think I had a little bit of a mental edge against him too, you know, because I'd beaten him so much. You know, in in some of the junior tournaments, and then also early professional. So I had I had a little bit of that advantage as well. And and uh, you know, players will tell you that sometimes it's not just the physical battle, but you know, it's it's overcoming the mental battle. You know, certainly there have been guys that you know have lost a certain player that just you know you just don't match up very well. I think Gael Monfils, I think just lost the Novak. I want to say maybe the 18th time that they've played. And um, he's lost all 18. So just some guys just don't match up very well with other players. Question we ask all our guests, Michael, is just advice for parents out there, for their kids. What to you is some important advice that you can give to a parent of a 13, 14-year-old promising teenager? 
I think two things. I, I would think the first thing is that you keep a long-term perspective. You know, I think junior tournaments and stuff are, are important, but I think when you look back upon uh, a young player's career or a player's career, um, I think that that age, they're really still developing, uh, not only their game, but as a person. So I think that that's something that, that needs to be in, taken into consideration. I think when you have a long-term perspective, I think it, it changes how you may look at some of the training or you may look at you know, certain tournaments being played or the scheduling. Uh, I think that becomes really, really important. I think, you know, outside of that, you know, I do think that uh, it's important that, you know, parents go out there and, and you know, be supportive of their kids, um, looking at it from as their lives and their careers as opposed to sometimes, you know, kind of living a little bit through your, through your kids' lives or through your kids' success um, because you yourself wanted so much. Because I've seen that as well. And um, it's kind of like, well, are you pushing your kids because you want them to do well? Or are you pushing your kids because, you know, it's kind of like your success through them, so to speak. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if that makes sense. But, uh, you know, I think there is sometimes a little bit of that danger. And at the end of the day, you know, one of the greatest things that, that my parents always, you know, instilled in me um, and in my heart was that, I knew that no matter how I did, if I won, I lost, I won easy, I lost bad, whatever happens in that match, I had the comfort of knowing I can walk off that court, knowing that my parents' love for me never changes based on what happens in a match. That's the most important thing. Michael, thank you very much. I hope to see, I'm not sure if you're going to be at the IMG Future Stars next year, or hope to see you at a slam and with Kai's back healthy. And thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Absolutely. Good talking to you. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Michael. I did. It was a privilege for me to have him on the show and find out all about his great win at Roland Garros and that great match and also other bits of advice he offered. So hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>